This is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. Today on the emdocs.net podcast, we're looking at Brash syndrome. This is bradycardia, renal failure, AV nodal blocker, shock, and hyperkalemia. We all know that hyperkalemia can cause bradycardia, it can block the AV node, but it's usually only in patients with severe hyperkalemia where we see this. AV nodal blockers can also cause bradycardia, but not usually at therapeutic drug levels. The major issue with BRASH is that there's this synergy between hyperkalemia and an AV nodal blocker that causes bradycardia. That synergy means that bradycardia can occur with mild hyperkalemia and at normal therapeutic doses of AV nodal blockers. That bradycardia over time directly reduces the cardiac output. That causes end organ hypoperfusion and it decreases renal blood flow. That's going to worsen the hyperkalemia. And then there's this vicious cycle where patients have worse bradycardia, hyperkalemia, renal failure, and then shock and multi-organ failure. We've all probably seen this syndrome and managed it at some point, but we just didn't formally recognize it. Most patients with Brash syndrome improve with some straightforward therapies. Even though patients can improve, we still need to know how to recognize this syndrome and how to optimally treat it. A key part of this syndrome is that these patients are on an AV nodal blocker and they have some risk factor for renal insufficiency. There's usually something that pushes these patients over the edge into Brash syndrome. Basically, anything that causes renal injury or volume depletion or hyperkalemia or bradycardia can push this patient into Brash syndrome. It might be up titration of a chronic medication like a beta blocker. It could be dehydration or something that causes hypotension like a GI illness. Or it could be nephrotoxins like an NSAID or a potassium-sparing diuretic. The clinical picture that we see in the ED is usually due to Brash itself. It's not usually due to that inciting factor unless it's something like severe sepsis or dehydration. There are several medications that we need to mention here. The major ones that can cause Brash syndrome are ACE inhibitors and ARBs. Both increase the risk of hyperkalemia and renal dysfunction. Digoxin can as well. Beta blockers and other AV notoblockers can cause some issues. Atenolol and natalol in particular are problems because they're renally excreted. Another one is lobetalol because it's nonspecific. All of these can cause worsening AV nodal blockade and renal injury. Let's get to the clinical presentation. This can vary, and there's really a spectrum in how these patients present. On one end of the spectrum, you have no symptoms or mild illness, but the other end of the spectrum is severe multi-organ failure. The dominant feature in the presentation is usually either the hyperkalemia 
or the bradycardia, but they can occur concurrently. In some, it might be the hyperkalemia with moderate bradycardia and a soft blood pressure, or it could be severe bradycardia and hypotension with some mild hyperkalemia. That dominant feature may make us miss the syndrome because we get tunnel vision and start to treat that issue, and we don't think about the whole clinical picture or the whole syndrome. Now, most patients early in the syndrome will appear non-toxic. They'll have normal mental status. The issue is, is when that patient reaches that severe multi-organ failure and shock. Obviously, there is a wide differential with this type of patient. The key here is that BRASH syndrome is a synergistic process with hyperkalemia and medications that block the AV node with renal injury. BRASH syndrome basically sits at the center of a continuum that ranges from isolated hyperkalemia to an isolated overdose of an AV nodal blocking medication. The condition makes sense once you understand that it's this synergistic process. Isolated hyperkalemia can cause bradycardia, and that can lead to renal failure. But the hyperkalemia doesn't usually cause bradycardia until the potassium level is severely elevated. Severe hyperkalemia can occur with BRASH syndrome, but it's less common. In BRASH, there's usually more of a moderate hyperkalemia. It's usually between 5 to 7, but it can be higher. Another feature that is different is that in BRASH, there's medications that suppress the AV node. The ECG usually won't show evidence of hyperkalemia with those peak T waves other than the bradycardia. The other consideration is intoxication with the AV nodal agents. That can lead to bradycardia and shock. The most important factor here is the history. In BRASH, the patient is taking their medication as directed. There's not going to be super therapeutic drug levels. Now, until 2016, we didn't really recognize BRASH as a specific entity. Josh Farkas over at Palmcrit really did a great job shining the spotlight on this syndrome. There are a variety of case reports that discuss this syndrome. The major populations at risk are patients on an antihypertensive medication or an AV nodal blocker with borderline renal function. We see this most commonly in older patients who have cardiac disease or atrial fibrillation and chronic kidney disease, especially if they're on those medications we talked about, like the ACE inhibitor with a beta blocker or even multiple AV nodal blocking agents. That's the perfect setup for BRASH syndrome. When we look at the ED evaluation, the most important part is keeping BRASH syndrome on your radar and thinking about it in a patient with bradycardia or renal injury. The rest of your evaluation focuses on looking for why this occurred. You need to look for causes of renal failure, pre-renal, renal, and post-renal issues, what was the cause of the hyperkalemia, look for a change in the patient's medications or any medication interaction, and look for causes of volume depletion. In most cases, a good history and exam will give you what you need to make this diagnosis. Let's get to the management. 
there are four primary keys to the treatment here. These all need to occur simultaneously. The big components are volume management, treating the bradycardia and the hyperkalemia, and correcting the underlying cause. Before we get to these specifics, we need to discuss the major error. You don't want to focus on just one part of the syndrome like hyperkalemia while not paying attention to the hypotension or the dehydration or the bradycardia. That's where patients can have poor outcomes. You have to treat all parts of this syndrome simultaneously. Let's start with fluid resuscitation. This can be tricky because the overall fluid status varies widely. Hypovolemia or dehydration is a common trigger, but some patients with BRASH may reach the point of oliguric renal failure and retain fluid. That will cause volume overload. You have to use your history, the exam, look for weight changes and peripheral edema, but also use your bedside ultrasound to look at the lungs, the cardiac function, and the IVC. If they are hypovolemic, they need fluid. If they have hyperkalemia with uremic acidosis, give isotonic bicarb. That's 150 milliequivalents of bicarb in one liter of D5W. You can give up to one liter per hour if they're dehydrated. That will improve their pH status and it can also reduce the potassium by shifting potassium intracellularly and promoting urinary excretion. If they have a normal pH but they're hypovolemic, you can give lactated ringers or plasmolite. In most cases, you're going to want to avoid normal saline. That will increase the serum potassium because it can lead to a hyperchloremic non-anion gap metabolic acidosis. If they're volume up or they have too much volume, then give them a diuretic like furosemide. The second component is the bradycardia. IV calcium is first line here. You can give one gram of calcium chloride or three grams of calcium gluconate. We really don't know the ideal dosing. If they're severely hyperkalemic, they have significant ECG changes, they need calcium. It's always safer to shoot for hypercalcemia over hyperkalemia, but try to avoid pushing the ionized calcium over three. If they're hyperphosphatemic, you'll need to be more cautious. Also keep in mind that IV calcium only lasts anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes, so you'll need to redose the patient. The next therapy for bradycardia is epinephrine. Skip atropine. Atropine doesn't work as well, it won't help with the hyperkalemia, and you can't titrate it. Epinephrine is the go-to agent with the calcium. It will improve the heart rate and shift potassium intracellularly. You can use isoproteranol if you have it, but in most EDs, you just don't have access to this. Isoproteranol might be better than epinephrine because it's a stronger chronotrope. It's a pure beta agonist and it doesn't have alpha agonist properties. Either way, you can start epinephrine or isoproteranol peripherally. Some patients can develop occult bradycardic shock. This is where the patient is severely bradycardic, but they're normal tensive or even hypertensive because of severe vasoconstriction. Even with a normal or a high blood pressure, 
they're going to have signs of hypoperfusion like cool extremities and decreased urine outputs because cardiac output is directly proportional to the heart rate. That means that you have to treat the bradycardia to improve end organ perfusion. This is one setting where isoproteranol or dobutamine might be a better option. You want a chronotrope with no vasoconstrictive properties. Isoproteranol, again, is better here. Dobutamine is selective for beta-1 adrenergic receptors over beta-2 receptors, so it won't decrease the serum potassium level. If the patient remains unstable, even with the calcium and the chronotropes, you'll need transvenous pacing, but most patients won't get to this point once you start your other medications. The other component of therapy is hyperkalemia. This depends on how severe the potassium is, what their renal function is, and if they need isotonic bicarb. No matter the potassium level, start treatment with IV calcium. If the ECG does not improve with the first dose of calcium, give it a second and a third time. That calcium is essential here. It stabilizes the myocardium and it will improve the heart rate and the cardiac output. Also start your other hyperkalemic treatments like insulin, glucose, and 10 to 20 milligrams of nebulized albuterol. You may not need the albuterol if you're using IV epinephrine. The next step for hyperkalemia is elimination after volume resuscitation. Elimination here mainly means diuresis, but you need to get the kidneys perfusing before you give the patient a diuretic. Most patients will improve with our other therapies and diuresis, and they usually don't need dialysis. Your options include something like a loop diuretic, thiazide diuretics, and acetazolamide. If they have mild renal injury and mild hyperkalemia, you can use just IV furosemide. But if they have more severe renal injury and severe hyperkalemia, think about using multiple diuretics at high doses. An example of this would be something like furosemide, 160 mg IV, chlorothiazide at 500 to 1,000 mg, and you can also use acetazolamide 350 to 500 milligrams, and fludrocortisone, 0.2 milligrams PO. Many of these patients with more severe renal injury will have some resistance to diuretics because of their renal dysfunction, and that's why they need the high-dose diuretics. You just have to be careful. If the diuretics start working, match their urine output with lactated ringers they can start urinating liters. Now, if the diuretics don't work, they'll probably need dialysis. Again, most patients improve with the fluids, the calcium, epinephrine, and the diuretics, and in most cases, they won't need dialysis. If these therapies don't work, you need to expand your differential. Think again about beta blocker or calcium channel blocker toxicity or digoxin toxicity also think about adrenal insufficiency. The final part of therapy is addressing the underlying etiology. If they're dehydrated, they need resuscitation with IV fluids. Stop the AV nodal blocker, and if you found an infection, treat the infection. In summary, 
Brash syndrome is bradycardia, renal failure, AV nodal blocker, shock, and hyperkalemia. This syndrome is due to that synergy between the AV nodal blocker with hyperkalemia and renal injury. The big thing here is to not close your differential once you've found an acute kidney injury or you think it's just bradycardia or just hyperkalemia. Keep brash on your differential. For management, don't just treat one part of the disease. You need to assess their volume status and give them fluid if they're hypovolemic, give them calcium and a chronotrope like epinephrine, manage the hyperkalemia, and address the underlying cause. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. 